Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Matt, my mind is that of a lost adolescent as we examine Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 212, Who You Really Are, which is brought to us tonight by the good people of Midgard Muhides. When you're trapped on Earth without your armor, sidle on down and get yourself something to wear. Midgard Muhides. <laughs> it really is just the very, uh, the very paragon of fashion, isn't it? Indeed. All right, time to catch you up on what went down. Our teaser begins in Faro, Portugal, which may or may not be Southern California. <laughs> uh, a bonfire on the beach. And uh, our guys debating the fine points of language between crackers and cookies in translation are interrupted by a soaking wet incognito lady Civ in civis um, who is looking for Kava, which initially I have to confess, I thought she was looking for Carver, like Colson was the Carver or mm, one of yes. them. Um no, I must find Kava. Um, she uh, she walks away from our uh, Portuguese dudes on the beach. One of them tries to uh, uh, find out uh, what she needs. He throws her. Um, she's got a bump on her right temple. And uh, she says she does not know who she is. Pete, when we talk about the the demands that a story requires, story of any type, particularly this uh, kind of uh, you know multi-act structure that is the hour-long drama, uh, it is within that structure where we give a little flexibility when uh, flirty flirtison. I guess we're supposed to read into some sort of you know uh, uh, libido de portuguesa, but. Um, Generally, when women emerge uh, from the surf at night, holding a sword, uh, looking somewhat distressed, certainly angry, and also cut up, that is usually not the time to approach said lady about about matters of the the, the heart and the loins. Uh, so why does he do it? Why is it unreasonable? Because we need to see a couple of things. She doesn't know who she is. She's super powerful, and something strange is going on in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Cut to title card, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Act 1 begins with Sky kickboxing uh, May, and um, acquits herself quite well, ultimately pinning her in what Sky later describes as uh, full Mortal Kombat mode. <laughs> Rather apropos, by the way, uh, keeping in mind the director of next week's episode, but we'll get to that uh, next week. I thought, Pete, that this fight looked authentically kick-butt, particularly in the long shot. My suspicion is that these two these two gals are dedicated enough to the show, to their craft, to their characters, that they were probably prepared for this, did some training ahead of time, and just said, all right, for, you know, for this first take, or, you know, for this take, we're going to do it, obviously not for real, for real, but we're going to do this. No, no, you know, I don't want to say pulling punches because obviously the two actresses aren't trying to hurt each other, but it looked like it was an authentic fight. And I think that they were putting extra oomph behind it to really sell it to us, the audience. 
Yes, and you credit next week's uh, director. Let's credit this week's director, the talented and lovely Roxanne Dawson, ex of Star Trek Voyager, portrayed Balana for seven seasons there. And I thought tonight, uh, real visual style, particularly in the amount of effect shots that were utilized and uh, the action as well. And this scene, certainly uh, the first of many. By the way, Pete, uh, back in the spring of 1994, uh, a a young Matt met Miss uh, Dawson, then Miss Dawson Biggs, uh, at uh, at a convention of Star Trek discussed topics in uh, in the northern New Jersey area. Very good. But back to this episode, we talk, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for the Star Trek convention stuff that we do on the Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, check iTunes for the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek. Anyhow, Pete, I was saying before how the actresses seem to be not uh, not holding anything back, to be fighting at 100%. And there's talk within the episode of the characters how May says to Sky that Sky should let go to give 100% uh, to her own fight. Yes, and uh, she said she was holding back here. She didn't want to hurt May. The issue of control comes up, and May, uh, Yoda-esque in her guidance here, explains that she's got to lose control, but on her terms. And Skye talks about how she was getting to a dark place. She was worried ominously that she was going to tear May's head off. And then... When we need it to be a little light, Fitz appears there and uh, interjects that maybe Sky needs a break. It is such a, a a brilliant move on the show's part to have taken all of these characters except for Fitz and to kind of um, improve them as agents. You know, I mean, Simmons hasn't gotten quite as much of the the you know, action super spy stuff as some of the other characters. But we also saw her using her noodle in the beginning of this season to be undercover and, and all of that. Fitz is the one character because of the nature of the brain injury who has regressed as a person. He, that has allowed him to grow as a character in our eyes to make him more interesting. And he is now the most sympathetic because he's the least powerful, therefore the most like us. And for him to be kind of keeping an eye on things here, he becomes the conscience and I would argue the heart of the episode. Well, speaking, Matt, of noodles, there was some canoodling between Morse and Hunter that necessitated hydration afterward. Yes, there certainly was. It seems, Pete, that we entered that scene, uh, shall we say, uh, other things had gone on and things had just wrapped up or a couple of seconds before. Gone in. And uh, you know what, Pete? They were They were making like the uh, at least hunter was making like those uh, commandos in afghanistan it was time to pull out well matt i've been on some tv sets and i can tell you what the method actors would do here they might get up and run around for a second and then dive under the covers out of breath and then shot well pete as they would say in portugal i think they had just finished up being acapula i looked it up on google translate i don't know yeah um the discussion uh, between Bobby and uh, Lance quickly turns to uh, Hunter having been called in by Colson to his office. There was an offer made, some idea of more power uh, being given to Hunter. And Morse 
asks him, or you're even thinking about this, the idea of responsibility comes up, which apparently is not something he's been trusted with before. And he points out that uh, Morse used to be a nightmare, and it was her dedication to S.H.I.E.L.D. that always came between the two of them. Here's how I suspect the construction of this scene went. They wanted to have that discussion about trust and 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 uh, responsibility. And as they backtracked, they realized that there was a loose story thread that the show, I suspect, had forgotten about, which is that Hunter's been around this whole time, but he's still kind of like a, a, you know, a soldier of fortune. Um, so there's that bit of dialogue there where he's just kind of been offered the full-time gig by Colson. I think the implication for, you know, for Hunter being a, a proper agent of shield, um, which just worked, you have a loose thread and you tie it up by feeding into this notion that the two are, the two are trusted lovers, but there's this untrustworthy stuff that, uh, that was introduced last week and, uh, runs through this episode. And I dare say factors into the math of upcoming episodes. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the soldier of fortune angle because my headcanon for Lance Hunter is essentially that of the A-team and he's like a British uh, alcoholic face. I suspect the face was probably – 1980s face was not an alcoholic. You redo the, uh, the A-team in the modern day and I'm ignoring the movie completely because it was wrong. Um he probably would have been an alcoholic, so I'm I'm digging it. Absolutely, he's he's out there. He has a friend who doesn't like to fly. They are, there's a there's a van. There are cigars from time to time. Um, absolutely, yeah. Colson's the crazy one, um, <laughs> but uh, the meeting here with uh, Mac and Colson. Um, which had been previewed, the scene was uh, was out a little earlier this week. Uh, Mac is still kind of holding on to having lost control when he was in the temple uh, beneath uh, San Juan, and uh, Coulson's trying to convince him he can use him in the field. Mac is really um, reticent there that violence is not his thing, and Coulson lets him know, you know, you're a little bit of a beast all the time we could use that it's it's nice that it's under the umbrella of uh, and, and it might be in the scene where colson makes reference to um they're low on staff you know so there's kind of this colson as director is saying hey let's promote hunter hey let's promote max so on and so forth um because the bonus or at least the desire i think where the episode wants to go is hey mac can be trusted upgrade what do we know he can't be trusted um so it's all just kind of in this you know in this milieu of hey these are the trusted people by the way pete side note just to look back for 10 seconds to last week's episode um where were our heroes sitting around mourning scientists one two and three killed by reina last week i didn't see that yeah red shirts are now white shirts <laughs> they are uh science lives matter matt but um we head back to uh, Faro, uh, Portugal, where uh, a crazy lady has been held on to by uh, the authorities. Um, and they told her they had access to the kava she was looking for, um, the son of coal here. 
who is not Kava, as we will learn in a little bit. But um, it's funny that our amnesiac Asgardian um, has selective memory loss. She remembers where she's from. Um, and uh, as they discuss in a little bit, she doesn't recognize the word Thor or know who that is, but she can't help but smile when she hears it. Ah, the lady doth smile too much, methinks. Yes. By the way, Pete, I like that they did not take the obvious route with the amnesiac Sif and, oh, she's going to battle because against our heroes because she doesn't know. It is immediately... Hey, she is rational. She just doesn't quite know the particulars of what's going on. So the hotel guy or whoever it is just kind of puts her in timeout. Somebody's coming to help you. Colson comes and immediately, hey, here's the proof. It's kind of realistic, I suspect, as to what would happen to somebody when they've lost their memory. They're not all of a sudden going to become someone else. They're just going to kind of try and get oriented properly. And I'm glad that uh, they used Sif as an ally. Uh, yeah, and they... They dodged the amnesiac trope cliche, I thought, really well. Sky, because of course she's a, a reformed hacktivist, is able to quickly uh, locate a video of her fight with uh, a guy on a pier um, who is swinging what we later find out is a truncheon and then uh, hits her with it and... Um, puts her over the pier into the water. They're not quite sure what he was after. And then we see the same individual stop by the hospital and he's looking for supplies. He also mentions that someone on your world has changed. And that's where our first act ends. Indeed. Uh, well, it ends with him, uh, with him uh, starting to turn blue uh, when he's speaking uh, to the uh, to the fetching Portuguese young lady. Um, just kind of a nice, I don't know. It, it, it it's a nice act end because clearly he's not of this world either. I think you could kind of tell that by, if not his uh, res resiliency in, uh, in fighting, kind of the you know he had kind of little bumps and ridges almost uh, on his forehead ironic considering the director of uh, tonight's episode but um it's a fun way to propel us into the act break uh fitzsimmons is analyzing the video footage of the fight and they see what they believe to be blue blood emanating in a freeze frame from the male individual um the small hammer uh he seems to be using um Sif and Coulson and May head out to the pier where the uh, confrontation took place. Hunter, Fitz, and Mac, meanwhile, are using the uh, technical equipment to try to track down the blood, and they find out it was not blood. Um, Morse, meanwhile, is putting her awful Portuguese to use. And uh, Sky seems to suspect that Bobby Morse is an expert at lying, something we, of course, as the audience know, she is doing to our faces right now. It's it's a really fun section of the story, you know, Hunter tapping the pole and it falls down and, and that kind of uh, comedy of errors almost. Um, 
aided by, as you said, those science tools were quick. They're able to, you know, essentially email the sample back to, to Simmons, who I guess for some reason doesn't get let out in the sunshine in this episode. Um, and then, of course, Pete, the, the hospital bit with Mockingbird and Sky uh, concludes with them both witnessing uh, that the uh, the uh, fetching Portuguese woman uh, who now is, is uh, you know, not manning or personing the front desk. She has lost her memory. There's kind of this uh, look of acknowledgement on the, the, the two ladies uh, faces that, hey, that's just like Lady Sif. Right. Speaking of Lady Sif, she uh, still finding out things about her past, her involvement with uh, Odin, the Allfather from Asgard. Um, and the elevated nitrogen levels there that the Cree would need, um, which, of course, every Asgardian learns as a child, Matt. Indeed. And kind of this look of like, oh, you don't know that? Yeah. By the way, come this... on. I don't even have my my short-term memory, and I know that. <laughs> this stuff with the helium and nitrogen and, and whatnot, it, it was – you mean the techno babble? The, te- the techno babble. <laughs> I think that it here was the effect that it had on Twitter. There was some reference to Cree language earlier. So people said, oh, he's Cree. And then in this kind of general portion with nitrogen and, and particularly, I think, uh, right at the end of this act here, we kind of get to, to some sort of reference here, possibly of cold. So then people are saying, oh, is it a frost giant? Point being, I don't know if it's a... I don't know if the story is failing to make it clear um, through kind of fault of the story, fault of the writing. But the net effect is we aren't quite clear as our heroes are investigating. And that's a net positive. There's kind of this discussion. Well, is it this alien that we know about? Is it this type, this other type? And I thought it was actually kind of a a positive lack of clarity there. Um, I wouldn't quite speak to that i would really just kind of for the story's sake circle back around to you know we've had sif on twice now and i kind of hope this becomes a spring tradition with agents of shield um you know fans of fringe would reference that uh every 19th episode of a season with that show, they did something really revolutionary and wacky. And in the one season they didn't have 19 episodes. They did it in their ninth episode. Um, I'm going to stand right now, Matt, I'm going to say Sif needs to appear in every springtime chunk of this TV show. This needs to be a thing. Hey, I'm fine with that. And, uh, we had, one of the writers for TV by the numbers saying something that we've been saying uh, for a couple weeks now, which is that there's enough data to suggest that um, there should be a renewal for season three of agents of shield, which then leads to a likely renewal for season four because of, you know, enough episodes to do, uh, you know, reruns and this and that, the other on, on cable and, you know, so on and so forth. So we potentially have two more minimum Lady Sif episodes uh, in the next uh, next couple of years. Yeah. Um, but they corner uh, this individual in the hospital, Morse and Sky do. Um, he, of course, tells them, uh, you don't want to do this. And um, they fight. Um, 
and Sky then makes everything shake and her gun fall apart. And it was the first mat of what I call in my notes, quake breaks. <laughs> you know what I appreciate in this scene? And I'm going to say it carefully because I don't want to give the wrong impression. Um, this is an equal opportunity fight scene. The fact that the Cree is male and that, uh, and that Mockingbird is female, it, that is not a factor in how this fight goes down, which is Bobby gets in a bunch of smacks with her plumber's pipes or whatever she carries. Um, and then he just wallops her and sends her not just spinning across the room, but spinning and careening and smashing into things. Um, so contrasted from the first Thor tie in episode from, from the first season where it was like girls fight girls and boys fight boys. Um, I just love that you can have, Characters who are capable of physically fighting, fighting each other, and you're not concerned with male, female, in this co- in, in this case, human, alien, whatever, um, partially inhuman. It's it's all it's all one big uh, one big uh, wonderful mixture. It's just amazing, you know, for what now thirty four episodes, how much this show has uh, has deepened itself in its own. Uh, in its own language, if you will. Pete, I can't believe we're, we're that many episodes in and uh, certainly many more to go. Act three begins with uh, our blue Cree here explaining that he is a Cree. Of course, we get the admission and that Kava is a word that means uh, keys. Actually, this is Sif uh, explaining this after they have fought um, but just the acknowledgement alone, I know there was some discussion out there. Maybe he was a frost giant because of his ability, like Loki, to uh, turn himself blue and his lack of uh, stature. The Kree we've seen to this point are considerably bigger than humans. But to, you know, it's necessary exposition to put that on the table, what he was. And at least now it's clear for all. Yes. Um, Sif thanks Sky for helping her out in that. Um, of course, I was a little put off that nobody could pick up. None of our uh, aliens could pick up um, Sif nor uh, Vintak that Sky was making this happen until a little later on. I, I did think from a story standpoint, you know, that was a little too convenient when they finally put it together. Um, but Sky explains to Fitz, confides in him really that the gun exploded in her hands. Um, Hunter, meanwhile, uh, interrupts and he's looking for the new toys from SciTech. And uh, Simmons is getting more s- some uh, anti-bio uh, cream there. Uh, worried about her interaction with um, the Cree, and uh, a discussion ensues with Mac about bringing Hunter on board. To which he says, "No way." And he also says, uh, over concerns that Hunter, you know, would take things badly. He says of Hunter, "quote He might take their side." A very clear moment where I, yes. I said to myself, "The theory that I've had that the that Mac and Mockingbird are just 
um, extra pair of eyes from Nick Fury because not for nothing, some at some point we are headed towards meeting up with that Age of Ultron story. Who knows how many people are going to cross over? Who knows if it's even Nick Fury? Although I think that's probably the the best um, option given that they've had Samuel Samuel Jackson before. But we're headed there at some point. I was convinced. Oh, these this is just the backup to the backup. You know, we had May keeping an eye on Coulson. Now here's these two, and their secret's going to be benign. It's going to be the big Fury reveal, and so on and so forth. Fury well, is not it, well, their well, side, and you know, one side versus the other side. This is all one shield that Fury has left them. Well, Matt, when we get the cameo from in, in a couple weeks, it's all going to be connected. Pete, I can't believe that you, A, you just shared that with me, given you know my 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 lengthy anti-spoiler position. But, you know, we, we hear from people who who appreciate that, that things don't get spoiled here. I'm going to have to go back and put something over that so people... So people don't hear it because that's that, that's 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 shocking news that you've just shared. Spoiler Pete being spoiler Pete, Matt. I guess so. I uh, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the episode here, Pete. Particularly, I, I mean, in, in the face of this conflict, here's some words from Mac. Maybe there's a world where we're all friends again. Yeah, and uh, that. Bobby is explaining, you know, they're building something real here. Um, Mac explains he doesn't uh, want um, Hunter as a friend fighting against them. And she settles upon the solution that she's got to push him away, that that's the only way that they aren't Hydra. And I think that was an important piece to get out for the audience to understand, okay, we're going to differentiate them from what's going on. I know there had been some talk in some circles. I know, Matt, you and I still tend to um, cling to the theory that she might have been activated by Bakshi in that hallway. So, Matt, that might even make her a quadruple agent. <laughs> Well, let me just clarify my position for one moment because somebody, and it might have been our pal Michelle on Twitter, had had made made reference to what you just said. Let me just clarify my position slightly. I don't think if that is a scene they're going to return to, or the scenario I envision as being a possibility in that hallway with Bakshi, I don't see Bakshi having activated her as much as. It being like her, she's in on it, like go Simmons, go, and then Simmons goes through the door and back. She's like, "Bravo, Bobby, bravo! All right, give it ten seconds and run up there, and you know, blah blah blah." That's what I imagine. That she's not even brainwashed; she's just bad to the core, possibly. Although I think that we're headed well, away the from the Hydra thing was such a heavy part of the Hydra storyline in the beginning of the year. We still have Agent 33 out there who is really the biggest surviving link to that technique. And Matt, um, there was another TV show, Agent Carter, that the uh, whole idea I think, of, I think it was a Agent Kava. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole idea of mind control that Hydra got a hold of in the last little bit of that show we ever saw 
was out there. So I, I think, you know, again, Matt, it's all connected. I agree uh, that it's all connected, but I think it's care. I, I, I think that we should be careful to always keep in mind that shield knew from the get go from the pickup for season two that they were doing first half and second half. So there may be kind of DNA in the first half where they knew they were going to have some sort of first 10 episode story arc. And then now there's this story arc and yes, there can be a connection, but it's not necessarily the same underlying engine beneath it to the point that I would argue that when we do the, you know, episode 222 finale to, to, to end season two of shield, we may not have seen agent 33 all spring just because I think that that might have been a fall storyline and something that doesn't make it uh make it to the second half possibly well matt you will be proven wrong (laughs) the uh subject of chavez uh portugal comes up which of course the translation matt in english for chavez is brooklyn dodgers keys ah yes of course Um, whitehall's uh Files from the SSR days uh, apparently alluded to Chavez as where the uh, the obelisk was found. Um, and Sky at this point, Matt, asks director Colson to sit this one out after her run in with Blue Man Group. <laughs> um, and May takes notice of that. Um, some some yes. very good and careful um, seating for for later acts um yeah may noticing kind of not pursuing it then and there because there's a job at hand um and indeed the job in uh in rather quick secession uh there they are car uh the uh the Cree is pulling out uh, of the cave the uh the little the crate uh, the, the crate and uh very quickly put your hands up you can't do anything boom shot with a net shocker yeah. thing the end want to bet you're <laughs> in my stun net Act break. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Act four, back on the bus here. Uh, Sif is interrogating the Cree, who explains that he was the one who had wiped out her memory to keep her from following him. Uh, he wants his truncheon, Matt. What's a truncheon? Well, Pete, a truncheon, if you look it up on... Uh on, on any dictionary is defined. It's a British term uh, because of course, everybody in the other realms are all uh, terribly British. Uh, it is a short, thick stick carries a weapon by a police officer. Also a stick or baton acting as a symbol of authority. And uh, indeed that seems to be a perfect, uh, a perfect uh, word for the uh, magical baton that uh, is carried by Vimtech, who in my notes, I heard it as, Bimmy tech, but I'll go with what you said, Vimtech. Um, and we get the name here for the first time from him, and he explains he will earn their trust. Uh, Morse, meanwhile, is checking out the truncheon, and uh, as Hunter comes to see her, has discovered that there is a dial on the bottom, uh, no doubt a uh, device for... Um, influencing the memories of those that it strikes, which I thought was interesting. Um, And it is here that Bobby starts pushing Hunter away. 
indeed giving him a boot to the love department. Pushing wow. him away, saying, <laughs> saying, off you go. I thought it was actually an effective scene. I know that these these um, Bobby and Hunter scenes kind of walk the line for, for soap opera, but I felt that it always landed squarely on the side of realistic character interaction. Um, uh, and uh, I like how he is both indignant quietly and also um, understanding because not for nothing, how many times has she broken his heart? So he's kind of been prepared for this. Well, Matt, I'm concerned too. This uh, this bromance between uh, Mac and Hunter, as we'll talk about later, you know, is is headed for a tragic end. Hey, sometimes you just have to hug it out. Yeah, um, or hug it into the fade out. But anyway, <laughs> um, so back at the uh, playground here, um, the uh, the argument is going nowhere between um, a number of our principal characters and uh, the Cree takes his truncheon and hits uh, Lady Sif, at which point all of her memory is conveniently restored. She is Lady Sif of Asgard, and she is a friend of the S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) And as she has this moment of, you know, blinkety, blinkety, oh, it's all come back, his hands are up, and this kind of the interesting narrative reveal that in this episode, there are precisely zero villains. There are no bad guys in this episode. He is there for reasons that are extremely understandable. And frankly, by the end of the episode, or certainly at the end of this scene, or shortly after uh, when the next act starts, uh, he and Sif are completely on the same side. Um, Sif is not a bad guy because she's trying to get you know what she thought was a threat and then she's going to be moving on to another threat and of course our heroes are are our heroes and even uh morse and uh and mac we don't quite fully understand their badness at this point to call them bad guys so we are uh we're we are with uh those in opposition of our heroes but we have no villains but before we can get to our most action-packed um sequence of the episode it's exposition 101 and we're treated to a tale of terogenesis explaining that earth was one of the many worlds where blue angels fell from the sky looking to create armies cannon fodder as may puts it simmons as this is being explained is examining the crate and uh, Vintak explains the Terrigen crystals and the need to seed new warriors throughout the galaxy. These diviners held the crystal, and this was a very dark chapter of the Kree past. And he received a signal that it was happening again, that there are transformed beings, or what he referred to several times as abominations, that these are unnatural, Matt, nay, inhuman. Indeed, abominations and monsters. Further proof that uh, your pal Matt was on the on the right path last week with the the lengthy Simmons monologue that I gave. That they really are painting, uh, painting sky and the Inhumans that she represents as the other. Except we like her and we don't see her as an other. We see her as one of us, and uh, therefore the show is having a little little discussion about you know. 
blue aliens and uh, crystals and diviners and and hoping that we can divine some application to the real world. Well, Matt, I think, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit off air. I think we have to have this discussion here. Well, this has been done and this has been done before better, I think. Um, it's ironic that it's been done before better with a Marvel property, albeit not one in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as is currently constructed. Because, Matt, we can't say the M word and that's not Matt. <laughs> and Matt is not the M word. <laughs> Pete, nobody has referred to, in the last 11 years or so, whatever it's been since X2, nobody, I think, on the entire planet has referred to uh, the scene in X2 where Iceman comes out as a mutant and, you know, metaphorically, ostensibly as a homosexual to, uh, to his parents um, at the exact center of the movie. Nobody's referred to that more than me. However, that was so on the nose, I think, to be metaphor for 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 some specific uh, things that people might consider to be different. That I don't think it was necessarily done better than is being presented here. I think it was done more effectively in X two. They had a much shorter story to to tell, and uh, or you know less 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 time to tell it, um, and put all their eggs in the in the one basket of of Iceman in that scene. And the subsequent scenes, you know, the parents and the younger brother, I think it is, watching him leave because it's all, you know, oh, you're living this strange life, blah, blah, blah. They can go at a slower pace here in S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think they can also slowly back into the world that X-Men first gives us, whether it's in the movies, whether it's in the initial comics, which is people looking at these strange other people and just saying, you know, just discriminating against them and i think that the show can slowly get to that and doesn't need to have a scene that feels so evocative of whether it's gender discrimination whether it's orientation discrimination racial discrimination whatever more direct metaphor you want to you want to make it you know we talked about the star trek episode you're the side of your face is black and my face is white and we're vice versa they don't need to be quite as on the nose because they have at least to the end of the season, and they probably feel that they have another uh, 40 episodes after that, plus an Inhumans movie, so they can get there at a slower pace. Well, when we dangle the detail that there are enough diviners here to create an army, and that we have characters who are already well acquainted with one another now making these discoveries that they're different i think the dramatic opportunities are better that being said the you know inhumans as different people whether we want to cast this from a racial context or a sexual identification context what have you um i i I want it to work is the only concern that I have. And coming from the least likely character to be bringing this up of, of all the open-minded people on our team, I'd really like to think that Gemma Simmons is among the most open-minded. But I think that she is, she has the, the blinders of, of, science on science <laughs> and that's not something that I would normally say so, because wait, I'm... you said she has the blinders of science so sh she blinded she's been blinded 
with science? <laughs> I'm, certainly, <laughs> I'm certainly not anti-science. <laughs> I'm just saying I think she sees things so analytically where there is the biological status quo. There is a threat to rewrite DNA on a scale that is much different than some sort of scientific quantification of oh it's just these couple of bits of dna that change the color of your skin or, or you know whatnot but all these other things are the same and you know all the the brain is the same size you know, there's all kind of that scientific stuff that you could go and i i know you don't want to go too too deep into that because people have also in in you know previous centuries have tried to prove you know gender differences and racial differences with science as well. But here's my point. I think she sees it kind of as that DNA printout. This is the same. This is drastically different and could, 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 could upset the apple cart profoundly for 6 billion people on this planet. Therefore it is a threat like cancer, like AIDS, like whatever, you know, the, the flu, the, whatever it is like, you know, zombies to take it to, to another TV show. Um, so I think she's just kind of looking at it analytically like that where Fitz can see somebody who is hurt and somebody who has been changed by something that that was not asked for just like him. So he's able to kind of see the humanity in the inhumanity. Matt, I only have one thing to say to all those words you just made. Good heavens, Miss Sakamoto, you're beautiful. <laughs> the crate is empty. And the subject of whether Hydra is in possession of these diviners comes up, which we still don't know. Uh, Simmons talks, of course, about uh, the, the DNA and that uh, they had been hiding Sky here, what has been going on, and Fitz's knowledge of that, and that they need to find these remaining diviners before anyone is transformed. Um, that Sky witnessed a transformation and they talk about Reina and they want to know if there were any others. And I thought the subtle use of effects here was done very well. We get the Jurassic Park uh, trademark water ripple. Um, Vintak discusses these people and references them not just as abominations, but as weapons. And the vibrations take over from there. And then Coulson, Matt, I know you have uh, certainly some stuff to say about uh, the great Clark Gregg's acting here. He says, uh, Sky, um, what's doing this? And she explains or she answers, I am Quake Act Break. <laughs> there is such a tenderness in Clark Gregg's voice, such a paternal tone. Uh, also, well, he is to... a dad, Matt, as we learned when we interviewed him. <laughs> he is. I, th I really think he's channeling that. You know, he made reference when we when we spoke to him last year uh, about how he saw how his Colson saw Sky and how Clark Gregg saw Chloe Bennett kind of as a a younger sister type. Um, and I think all of that is informing these very few bits of dialogue and this you know handful of seconds in front of the camera where he's able to convey all of that and he does it so incredibly well because unlike may who made an observation a couple scenes ago filed it away as strange is connecting back to the uh the fight scene at the top and may is kind of doing this uh 
this uh, quantitative moment, aha moment, you know, this aha moment. Coulson, it's all qualitative. It's in the heart where he just figures it out and looks into her eyes and realizes what's been going on kind of on an emotional level because he's our guy. He's an emotional guy. He leads with his heart and his heart at this point is uh, broken with the quake break. Act five with the inhuman out of the obelisk. Sif asks shield to hand sky over. Vintak explains that the weapon has been activated and Sif circles back to the idea that uh, sky left unchecked could bring down buildings or even rip apart continents, which for me was, it might have been hyperbole, but um, really think about the scale that we could ultimately build to. I don't know if that's hyperbole. Which is why I love the direction that they took in the writing of this episode, that this is the reveal. The Kree sees her as a weapon. Sif sees her as maybe not a mechanical weapon, but certainly a threat on uh, a uh, uh, great degree. They're both trying to say to these dumb humans who don't have the perspective that these two do, don't you understand what a big giant mess this is? The Kree presumably is going to deactivate the weapon by, you know, killing her once he gets her to leave. Sif maybe has the image of, you know, special Asgard prison where she can be contained while they work something out. And worse comes to worse, maybe it's some sort of, you know, positive imprisonment. We're sorry you can't leave, but here's, you know, uh, you know, a gilded cage nonetheless. Uh, it's best for everybody. They bring a perspective to keep us all safe. And our agents decide to stand up and protect Sky based on their um, faith in Sky. Simple as that. So there are no bad guys here. There's just people with different desires over this same thing, the thing being Sky. As May spirits Sky away, they run into uh, Simmons and Sky tells her she's so sorry. Simmons then finds Fitz and is upset that he knew and kept this from them. Um, Let's not forget, Bobby, is it, and there's even a live dialogue, Fitz and Simmons. You know, yes. we, we knew that. The fact that Director Colson is now saying, let's show such and such to Fitz and Simmons. This is the little reminder here for Simmons. It's not Fitz Simmons. Yes. Um, Bobby and Mac confront uh, Vintac. Um, and Mockingbirds got a couple truncheons of her own. I thought this was the conflict we've been waiting for all episode. As that's going on, May is guiding Sky for the second time in the episode and really trying to get her to focus her way through one of these episodes as Sif is attempting to break into their sanctuary. Um, before Sky uses one of the enhanced icers on herself, which made an impression on Sif that she would sacrifice herself. So maybe these inhumans aren't as bad as she might suspect. Indeed, that uh, stunning of herself is proof that her heart is in the right place. Uh, meanwhile, there's uh, there still is, I believe, the uh, the Cree fight going on upstairs, which ended up being Cree versus Mockingbird and Mac and Hunter. Uh, the two guys dispatched rather quickly. Um, 
but uh, but Mockingbird back into a corner. Why? So that uh, Fitz can use the Bambino gun on uh, on the Cree, knocking him out. Coulson explains to Sif that if Sky is taken away from the people she loves, that she could only get worse, which so excellently dovetails with the scene before with the realization of what she's become. Um, Sif, back in her armor, explains that uh, she may have overreacted, that leaving Sky, however, with Coulson and the earthlings here uh, carries real danger. Vintak has been hit with his own weapon though, and uh, is now suffering the same forgetful effects. And Sif is preparing to return him to the Kree and he will remember none of this, but they need to track down these other diviners and Sif leaves them with um, pretty ominous Warnings here that Asgard is millennia ahead. There's some things they have never understood. And uh, Coulson wonders aloud, is, is this fate you're talking about? And she explains that there are some tides in the universe you can't swim against. Before Sif calls for Heimdall to send the Bifrost and away she goes. That line there, there are tides in the uh, in the universe you cannot swim against. I was taken aback by that because, you know, we don't know how how greatly um, Agents of Shield will intersect with other portions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly the the movies. That does seem to suggest uh, at least a long term thinking towards whether it's the you know whether it's the Infinity War stuff that's. A number of years ahead whether it's the inhumans movie that still is down the line it is suggestive of of really a larger scope it's obviously not quite committing to it but it's 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 swinging for the fences there and i really appreciated it with uh sif's warning may is also struck um she talks to colson here about all of her involvement with uh the team here that he had been killed brought back had this alien dna which you know made him track down a city okay and then wherever sky goes death follows i think that might have been may who said that not sif Um, yeah no 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 no. that's what i said okay my bad must have uh i must still be focused on on lady sif um, what I liked about that little bit of dialogue there was it um, it was simultaneously the show taking a little bit of a, of a victory lap for what they have said has been the plan all along that Sky has always been Quake and always been Daisy Johnson. There's been this 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 you know long term plan from the beginning, which I don't know that I buy a hundred percent, but here's the evidence, particularly when you have a line like this and say, "Hey, Colson." Revived with Cree DNA. The Cree DNA gave you a map in your head. The map took you to this place with Sky. Sky now has been changed. It's it's either pointing out the plan all along or reshaping what has happened already in light of this this larger story and the inhuman story. And I mean hats off, regardless of whether you've gotten here with the plan right when the series was first pitched or the plan as it evolved, you're here and it's it's a wonderful roadmap behind us and ahead of us 
we get another Fitzsimmons scene where um, Fitz apologizes for not being forthright and Simmons chides him for uh, his understatement. She's worried still about the potential for plague. Um, Mac, meanwhile, makes the point that secrets don't help anybody. And then Sky hears all of this debate and she takes her bag and heads to the honeycombed uh, interrogation room on the bus, presumably so she can't hurt anyone else, and mournfully shuts the door. Uh, I appreciated those lines about how, you know, there's a plague that must be eliminated, how that's being thrown in Fitz's face. I so very much appreciated the courage of his convictions that he was standing up against his friends and coworkers and equals and still, um, you know, outnumbered five or six to one, still, still standing up for that. Um, little surprise to see. I thought like it was going to be like sky on the road now, but we've already apparently, you know, dropped ward from all these multiple episodes. I'd hate to see, you know, check in with sky. Now sky's in, She's in New Mexico, too, because three different characters on TV in the last week have ended up in New Mexico. They're all just piling over there. Um, but as you say, Pete, with that uh, door closing, is the end of the episode. Except, of course, the uh, the little Marvel teaser tag at the end, which is what, Pete? We're in the hangar of the playground. The bus ramp is down. Hunter goes to Mac. He wants to talk. You and Bobby, what's up? He knows about the flash drive. There's no support group. Who is backup? He asks repeatedly, to which Mac answers, not with dialogue, but with a sleeper hold. Damn it. <laughs> oh, my. Salty language there. Yes, with uh, reference flash drive, flash drive, there is no support group. And the who is the backup? Clunk goes Hunter on the floor. Uh, Mac does look a little overwhelmed after the fact, but, uh, bottom line is, uh, bottom line is that's, that's it for Hunter for the episode. And that's it for the episode, uh, in toto. A detailed look at our bad guys, but Matt, as we said before, who we thought was bad really isn't, but you know, who aren't bad people, Matt? Who's that, Pete? Our Patreons. Indeed. We've had uh, we've had people head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Fantastic Geek and uh, help us with our uh, our podcast costs, etc. And uh, their uh, their thank yous uh, being sent out uh, this week. And uh, we encourage uh, other listeners to do the same. That'll keep you off the dossier, at least off Pete's dossier. And Pete, who's first on your list? Well, you have to put the um, civvied up SIF there, at least initially on the dossier, because we don't know her intent to disguise her in all black, though she's incognito, certainly was a symbolic choice. And she's a wild card early in the episode before we know what's up with the Kava business and the loss of her memory. Totally agree, and uh, as I said earlier, I'm glad that they kind of quickly moved her off the dossier, moved her back into the side of good, uh, trusting, whether it being her gut or just with the evidence that Coulson shows her, uh, trusting that uh, 
you know they can work together and that you know she's a goodie and he's a goodie and uh <laughs> off to do good things they do our Cree Vintac um double reveal there not only that he is an alien but he is this alien who has been so heavily connected to this show throughout the first two seasons the Cree of course being the blue alien corpse that uh Coulson and Sky both received transfusions of GH325 from and Pete just to clarify for our listeners you're you're saying he's a member of the Cree people who who have you know whose uh, personages have contributed the 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 blue guy that was in the tube it's not the same guy that was in the tube correct he's a member of the same race i do think we need to talk about appearance in our level 7 segment ooh mystery mystery who else is on the old dossier there I well, think I know where Matt, it's headed. Two more people, right? Th- indeed. Bobby Morse, Mockingbird, and um, uh, Mac here. Certainly people that, you know, this has gone from, all right, they're sneaking around doing what, to some real concern in light of their choice not to bring people into this, the use of the word they, uh, I like too that they quickly dispensed with the the Hydra suspicion in this episode. Not only does it add intrigue, uh, I would dare say, if if you know the tiniest little bits of uh, show news, you could probably put the pieces together at this point. But uh, I certainly won't be the one to spoil that. I'll let you do it, Pete. Yes. But um, just nice, nice. Of course, that was going to be the first thing that we assumed. It was going to be a obvious, b feel familiar particularly in light of Ward. Um, and I appreciate that they just quickly bounced off of that in the next episode to, to just say, you know, okay, now that we've dispensed with that, there's some some other threat out there. There is. Time to analyze and theorize. First up, Matt, what's up with them Crees? We've seen half big bald ones, We've seen normal-looking human guy ones. We've seen some in the movies. What's up with them? Pete, first of all, let me say to our listeners, all Cree people are beautiful Cree people. <laughs> uh, if your question is about the size thing, here's what I would, here's what I would uh, take. If it, is, if it is story dust, here's how I would put it under the carpet. He's undercover. He's using, you know, various whether it's technology or magic or or is there a difference, you know? But he's he's clearly undercover, and we see that. Um, if that is taking an eight foot Cree and making him, you know, six feet, okay, that works. We've seen crazier things. They but transport- if the TV adds pounds, Matt, he must really be like four foot <laughs> eleven. But he is not eight feet, certainly. So that's kind of where I dispense it there. Under the mumbo jumbo of he doesn't look like a Cree most of the time. That's where I guess I would also hide his height. Well, maybe we can presume, too, that the Cree are such an old race and, and so specialized in what they do that their mole versions are, you know, 
more in line with the people they're trying to infiltrate and their weirdo warrior berserker versions that ultimately wind up um, cut in half and in tubes. You know, they, they come in a slightly larger variety. <laughs> that works for me. Maybe maybe some of them are kind of uh, trained to metamorphose when they are when they are undercover. It's not impossible. Yeah. We've seen Stranger yeah. Things. No, Predator style there. <laughs> um, how about uh, Bobby and Mac? We have teased this out for some time. Um, feels like we are so close. And, and now that Mac has acted on Hunter here at the end of the episode. Well, let me ask you flat out, Matt. Um, those of you on Twitter tonight may be trying to tweet at um, Lance Hunter actor Nick Disco Blood at Nick Disco Blood might have discovered discovered Pete that apparently his Twitter account has uh, has ceased to exist. Um, Pete, you have read a lot into that. What's your take? Well, I was trying to tweet at him specifically when an actor with the last name, albeit likely stage of blood is in a scene in which he is searching for blue blood. And I'm like, what, what's up with the Twitter, man? Why isn't it working? Why can't I, you know, um, the, the beauty of, of Twitter, man, and why it's the people's platform is that you can interact with uh, the creators, the talent um, of the art, of the uh, sporting events that we follow in our lives as far as pastimes and entertainment. And I was taken aback. What? I knew he had a Twitter. We've interacted before. And now it's not there what happened. And then come to have this happen at the end of the episode, I'm wondering, okay, did he maybe deactivate this? I think there's two schools of thought. This A, gag order, which I don't think it is. Or B, he's concerned about saying too much in terms of what's going on and, and maybe put himself on uh, mute here, took himself off so he doesn't give things away. That he still has an Instagram account uh, would yes. certainly le- uh, give credence to what you're saying. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I guess we'll find out. I mean, it certainly is is strange. I saw an article only today which repeated something that we've heard before. I think it was on Hollywood Reporter or, 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 or something else that was similarly credentialed, just basically saying your Twitter followers and your Facebook followers as a celebrity count. And if they're going to go for an unknown... Like if every if it all comes down to what's the tiebreaker and it's number of Twitter followers, they'll do they'll go for the person with more Twitter followers because that person can say. In the one example, there was some somebody who'd been on Nickelodeon, you know, who said, "Hey, my new movie, it, I'm going to be at the such and such screening in you know Gainesville, Georgia, if that's even a place," and the the theater sold out. Yeah, you know, thank okay, God just, thank God I've got this just legion of followers. I I'm just very thankful and. Hashtag grateful. <laughs> so, I mean, Pete, if you're to, to bring it back to the to the mystery though of um, of Ma- uh, Mockingbird and uh, and Mac, 
I don't want to say too much because I really don't want to be spoilery. I I am convinced I figured it out. I'll just say this. If you know casting news and you know they're not Hydra, I don't even need to I don't watch I don't watch the preview. I don't know when the casting news meets up with these episodes. All I know is this. I know who they're working for, at least what actor they'll be working with. Well, you know, I don't think it's a real battle to figure out who that star might be. Like I said earlier, you just have to do the math, you know. It's like an orange. But how do we reach these keys? <laughs> well, you know what, Pete? That's a perfect segue. Transmissions. Matt, we do not have any new iTunes reviews from our listeners to read, but I will, of course, encourage them. You help us. You help others find us when you leave us a review on iTunes by searching Fantastic Geek and either under the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast or any of our family of podcasts, uh, Agent Carter, Daredevil, or Pop Culture podcast there the flagship um help others find us and uh help us grow through your feedback we love to hear from you and we really take it into consideration when uh when we do our work by the way pete uh speaking of the family of podcasts uh during the course of tonight's agents of shield episode got a tweet from uh noah steinberg on twitter that's at la clipper one uh, asking when is uh, when is it a new Daredevil podcast episode? Uh, we're going to be doing one in the next week as part of our part of our lead up. I don't want to spend a ton of time making this the Daredevil podcast, but we're, we're going to be uh, talking the uh, the much maligned, perhaps overly maligned uh, Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, and uh, that should be coming in the next, uh, as I said, in the next uh, week or so. And uh, my goodness, Pete, are we really just a month away from Daredevil? Um, it is exactly a wow. month today, Matt, just think about it a month from today. I will be almost dead from exhaustion <laughs> about nine and a half straight hours into daredevil, probably fairly dehydrated. Um, definitely no feeling below my waist. Oh my. I'm really, and I'm really excited about it. Well, just a reminder to everybody, in addition to the Daredevil podcast that will obviously be just Daredevil stuff, uh, if you kind of like what we're doing in general, there is the Pop Culture Podcast um, that we have on uh, on iTunes, the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek, which anything that we record, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Daredevil, movie news, going to conventions, even kind of little one-offs. I know we've done stuff on... Star Wars Rebels. We did uh, did something for the Pop Culture Podcast when uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away. That's kind of our our catch all and our bonus place. So if you want just the Daredevil stuff, go subscribe to that. If you want just that one stop shopping, uh, everything that we do, head over to the Pop Culture Podcast. And uh, and that is, as they say, that Pete. And Pete, we of course have been talking about Twitter. How can people be in touch with you? And you can add to your legions and legions of fans. As was observed uh, tonight, uh, Twitter, Twitter, the hopping place to be. Well, 5,352 followers can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, 
Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. Indeed, Pete has SD Petruchka said on Twitter, do you hear the people tweet, tweeting the words of angry men? Uh, it's the place to be. I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. You can be in touch with the podcast, with Gmail, with Twitter, with the .com. It's all Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. And Pete, there's one more place where people can uh, say hello. The place, Matt, for face. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash fantastic again with a ph geek one word okay hop on there and like us make it official already why don't you indeed pete with that i will say in honor of the episode i will say in portuguese serbem to all our listeners and uh, give you the final word i'm gonna go get my trunch on (laughs) 